Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 79, what's in your hangar? The government wants to know, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Zyko, Sean Moody, Eric Crump, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to Stuck Mike Avcast. I'm your host, Carl Valeri, and I'm joined here by our favorite hangar flying friends uh rick felty sean moody and victoria nouveau rick welcome to this show where are you this evening i am in natick massachusetts outside of boston as usual and not far from a hangar yourself no never far from a hangar (laughs) and sean where are you joining us this evening i am in the bluegrass today uh central kentucky um enjoying some nice weather awesome awesome and victoria I'm back at home in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, yesterday I was hangar hanging, and it was awesome. Well, I was hangar hanging also. It was in St. Petersburg, Florida, at the Hangar restaurant. So literally, the Hangar, which is apropos for what we're going to be speaking about uh, this evening. Let's do the pre-flight. But before we get started, a real quick announcement, uh, and also a shout-out to our sponsors, AviationUniverse.us. Uh, they're big helps with the, the podcast here. And if you could, check out their website. They have some great stuff there and great products and some super shows. They, a lot of times they have some really good aviation radio shows that are sponsored at location in Chicago. So check out AviationUniverse.us. Also, if you appreciate the podcast, check out Stuck Mike Avcast and uh, go to the right column, click on our sponsors there couple of announcements first before we get started, and uh, I think, Rick, you uh, you actually had an announcement this evening? Yeah, just something to, to track for those of you in the New England area. There is going to be the Plymouth Air Show oh. on Saturday, September 27th, uh, 10 to 3 at the Plymouth Airport, and um, the rain date is the next day, the Sunday, and uh, the featuring um, an aerobatic show by Mike Goulian, which should be great oh. in, his, in his extra 3.30 He's SC. awesome. Yeah, he is. And he's, he's sort of, he's a guy from here. And, and so he's kind of a hometown thing. And it's free. And there's, you know, all the, all the usual suspects of events for, for family. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to go. So I will uh, hopefully see people down there. Awesome. Look so. for Rick Felty. He'll have the propellers on his hat. And, uh, yeah, and I'll be wearing a Stuck Mike Avcast shirt, no doubt. And awesome. uh, that's Saturday, September 27th. September 27th. Once again. Yep. Awesome, cool. And we'll have a link for that uh, yeah. on uh, Stuck My Gavcast. Awesome, cool. Anybody else with announcements? Let's see. Victoria, let's see, Sean, and I actually have an announcement here. There is one here for the Stewart Air Show. Stewart Air Show is coming up, and it's going to be November 1st and 2nd. Actually, uh, if you get there the day before that, October 31st, they're going to have a night show and some Halloween festivities. Yay. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But we've been invited, uh, as the Stuck Mike Avcast, to go there to represent media. And uh, one of the really cool things we'll be doing is, hopefully, we're looking for an interview 
with the F-22 Raptor demonstration pilot that'll be there uh, at the field, and they will have a heritage flight. So it's going to be F-22 Raptor. I think alongside of them it'll be a P-51 Mustang and a couple, I think a Corsair is also going to fly, fly next to them there. Lots of really good flying going on. Uh, a wonderful air show goes on every year in Stewart, Florida, November 1st and 2nd. Great place to be if you're from up north and you want to get away from the cold because it's going to start getting cold. Come on down to Stewart, Florida. Look for me. I'll be hanging out with the propellers on my hat and the Stuck My Gas Gas <laughs> t-shirt. Now I'm going to have to buy a hat with propellers on it. This is going to be funny. Uh, but yeah, Stuart, and it's going to be uh, on Stuck Mike Avcast at the uh, website there for the episode. You'll be able to find a link to that. Awesome, awesome show. Another thing, too, that actually uh, happened uh, after, excuse me, before this, this podcast came out, it happened on August uh, 23rd. It's the grand opening of the uh, Aerospace Discovery at the Florida Air Museum. And that's actually over at Sun and Fun in Lakeland. They have the Florida Air Museum, which is the official air museum of the state of Florida. And this museum has tons of aviation history, but it also is starting a whole section of interactive type of exhibits for children, for kids of all ages. It's going to be really awesome. And that's going to start on August 23rd, but you can go there at any time and check it out. Son of Fun's really doing a lot of things, um, really very progressive in their, looking, their thinking towards aviation and the future of aviation. This is just one more step to get people in there. So what are you going to see at this aerospace discovery? Well, a good example is they'll have some simulators there. You can go out there and check out the simulators and how you can actually fly planes, that type of thing. The other thing uh, they'll have is somebody talking about aviation careers. They'll have people talking about uh, different avenues you can go within the aviation careers and have people that actually have uh, flown airplanes and uh, military fighter pilots. They'll have mechanics and everything uh, ongoing throughout. But uh, the cool thing about the discovery portion is that it's going to be actually a hands-on type of experience, which is going to be really, really exciting. Uh, so that was the the other, uh, let's see, any other announcements we have? Oh, gosh, you know, I totally forgot about the other one. I have an announcement on uh, my other show, Aviation Careers Podcast. have a seminar, a webinar that came up uh, August 20th, but uh, it's going to be recorded. And uh, it's about should you choose a career in aviation? That's the topic. So I talk about 45 minutes about all aviation careers. Primarily, uh, I take a lot of time to talk about pilot piloting careers because it's what most people are interested in. Uh, but all the many, many careers in aviation, mechanics, etc. And, and should you choose a career in aviation and why? You know, you might be in another career. You might be in video productions, whatever. But a career in aviation might be the thing for you. So go check that out at Aviation Careers Podcast. And we'll have a, a link to that. Now entering cruise flight. Well, that's it for our announcements today. We have some uh, <laughs> some pretty interesting uh, topics this evening. Uh, one of the topics uh, we're going to talk about is uh, hangers. And uh, this actually was brought up uh, through Victoria. And she's going to, after I kind of uh, announce the whole thing that's coming up here, she'll kind of give an idea as to, to how and why uh, we prompted this. This is something, without Victoria's notification, I never would have known of this one. There is a, a notice of proposed rulemaking considered uh, talking, it's considered towards policies on non-aeronautical use of airport hangars. And uh, this rule is up for comment, 
And uh, I think that the comments end, uh, what is it? Uh, what did I say on the... September 5th? Thank you very much. It's September 5th. <laughs> September 5th is when the comments will close. I really highly recommend you going out there and taking a look at this uh, proposed rule. And uh, it's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, I'll just summarize it real quickly. Uh, you know, under the federal laws, you know, there's airports that take federal money and uh, are used for, say, they're even private airports, but used for public use and take federal money. Uh, they actually, the, the, the usage of the airport has to be for aviation usage. And, uh, but that's kind of, it's like, it's kind of vague in certain areas, especially when it comes to hangars. Obviously, the runways have to be open, the taxiways have to be open. But now we're looking more towards what's ha happening in the hangars. The reason that this is this is coming up now, it's a, honestly, if you look at the history of this, this is going back to the 90s that there was many investigations done, uh, mainly by the government accounting office, is that they've gone out and taken a look at some of these airports that receive federal funds, and they're looking at how they use their hangars. Are they used uh, in a manner that promotes aviation or not? And uh, a lot of their findings were that some of these hangars that are on the airport are not being used in, in that manner. So, well, who cares? Well, the, the real reason that we care is that there's been a lot of complaints. That's the reason this, that's, that's the thing that's precipitated this. There's the fact that the FAA has been receiving many, many complaints of people that can't get into hangars and... That's the problem. Many folks are storing within the hangars that on our on our excuse me that are on airports that are federally funded. They storing cars, boats, non-aviation related products. So now here comes the fine line. You know what is aviation usage? First of all, number two, is this something where the federal government should step in and say, "Hey, uh, this is impinging on the actual." usage of an airport for aviation or not is it if it's on private property on the airport should the airport be able to deem what's what should be used there what not uh, it has been traditional in the past if they've had a lot of vacancies on the airport in hangars that they've allowed people that are non-aviation related to actually rent hangars for instance if it's a business that's non-aviation related or it's a personal use non-aviation related they will rent that because of course that's revenue but right now, uh, many airports are having the opposite problem, where they can't find hangar space. You know, and that's that's the summary of it. You know, so they're looking at you know the they're focusing more on the hangars and and what's going on inside the hangars. So we're going to talk a little bit about that rule, have a little discussion there. Also, I uh, have a little fun with it too, because one of the things that I've always dreamed of was actually living in a hangar. And having been on a tenant of an airport that uh, was federally funded, I do know that you know waiting on on the list for a hangar is uh, is pretty tough in certain areas. Especially, I think Victoria, you had mentioned uh, that in your area that there is there's a bit of I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but you can give us a, a quick summary of how you found out about this. Yeah, um, there is. You have to wait for years to get a hangar at our airport. Pretty much anywhere in the D.C. area, there's a very long waiting list. And um, compared to other parts of the country, it's probably more expensive around the D.C. area to get a hangar. And um, you have to pay to be on this list, too. So it just compiles the fact that if you're sitting here waiting to get a hangar and there's someone who's storing, you know, their old RV and 
old refrigerators and a hanger, I can understand how you would be very upset because I would be too. Did you say you have to pay? Yeah, we have to. There's a deposit you put to stay on the waiting list. Really? So they only want people who are very serious about it. Yep. Interesting. Now, with that money, do you get that back when you actually sign the lease? Or that's interesting how you have to pay to be on a list. I don't remember. That's a good question. I I don't think so. (laughs) Wow. So you definitely have a shortage uh, of Mm -hmm. hangar space. Yeah, and but there's plenty of people who've been on it for years. This uh, paying a fee was new uh, in the last, I think, five or six years that they put that rule on there. Well, that's interesting. I, I know a lot of us that are, are listening to Victoria speak right now are, are saying, gee, you know, that, that's not the situation where I am. I mean, they're out there actually advertising hangar space. Uh, but I know maybe 10 years ago you had to get on a list and you were there for 20 years sometimes just trying to get into a hangar. Um, I don't know if that... And that's been through this whole recession and all? That's been the same problem, Victoria? Yeah, yes. Uh, it's it's very, very hard to get a hangar around here. Everyone wants to, and I think especially because the DC-3, the airports within the SFRA, where you really can't fly unless you have a pin, they've suffered so much and people don't want to deal with um, talking to doing the specific requirements for ATC every single time they fly, I think a lot come spread out outside of the DC area and come to the outer airports such as Frederick. And, you know, just showing that people are willing to pay a deposit to just be on the list pretty much shows that, you know, they, they'll just take, you know, they'll go from the list. They don't have to like advertise to other people. Hey, we have hangers. They're, they're, they're full. <laughs> The whole supply and demand. So there's a, a yeah. huge demand out there. So now this is a federally funded airport where you are. Yes. And, or they take funds, I should say. And mm-hmm. also these hangars that were built were done with federal grants or funds. Um, well, you know, why not just build some more hangars? Isn't there space on your airport? Actually, they're going to be tearing down all the older hangars and building new ones eventually. So soon uh, people in the poor rows like Bob and I um, (laughs) are not going to be able to afford these new fancy hangars. So that's a whole nother topic. So I think they're building new ones. I don't know if they're building more. I think there's room, but I am not an airport designer. So I don't know the complications with that. (laughs) So what, I I don't want to totally put you on the spot with this one. I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, and, uh, and, in your feelings towards this. Do you think this is a good idea? Do you think it's a good idea for them to look at it? I'm afraid of the FAA taking this over and telling individual airports what they have to do because there might be a fine line of how far is too far. Um, if you recall a while back, someone got in trouble in Hawaii for having a golf cart in their hangar. And I know at least seven people who have them at the airport. We use them to get to the bathrooms. We use the golf cart to go from hangar to hangar and to talk with people. Um, my airport is a very friendly airport. We liked, I just was at a hangar barbecue the other day. You know, We cooked out and enjoyed friendship and watching the airplanes. And I'm afraid that this rule about non-aviation-related things being stored in your hangar even if you have an airplane, might go too far. You know, we we have stuff in the hangar that is not related to the airplane, and we don't have anywhere else to put it. What happens if they say, 
hey, this grill or this little mini fridge is not aviation related, directly related to your airplane. Get it out of here. You know, how reasonable is that? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I think that within this bill that they're proposing, from what I've read, they're they're looking at that. The primary use has to be for aviation, but everybody that I mean, our hangar, we had, you know, we had a grill, we had a couch, we had chairs. We'd hang out there and have a barbecue every so often. But the majority of the hangar is filled with aviation stuff. Hey, not only that, I'd park my car in the hangar. You know, when I was out flying. Well, I understand it's aviation usage, Us too. but yep. and, and which is fine. I think under this bill that'll be fine. I think. Uh, what the the issue is that there there there's a fine line it's and it's very very fuzzy and is as to what is in that hangar and how much of that hangar is being used for aviation in your case let's take the golf cart for instance mm-hmm. the golf cart is used to get back and forth to the FBO but you still have your airplane in there uh, you have a refrigerator you know in those cases your primary usage is the airplane. Those other items are ancillary, and they're used to enhance the usage of that hangar. So, yeah, I think that, you know, you have to use reasonableness here. And I think that it's important to look at a hangar and say, okay, are they reasonably using this as a storage for their airplane, and is this just, you know, part of that mission? But when you look at other hangars and you see them full of cars and, you know, the hangar that was across from me had like three Rolls Royces in it. And, you know, that was the guy was storing his collectible cars. That, that's a little bit different. Um, but but where do we draw that line? And that's that's what's scary. That's what really scares me about this new rule. Well, it, I, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, something you said, but, you know, when we were talking about the topic earlier is, I think, very true, which is if this empowers individual airport managers to to make judgment make judgment calls because the rule is loose um that's that's for me where it gets kind of tricky only because i mean i don't know about you guys but i have some awareness of management decisions at places that seemed questionable like really you're gonna do that and and you know so it seems to me if it's if you have an airplane in there i i don't think anyone should care what else you have in there because especially if it's taking up a certain percentage of the room you know so depending on the size of the thing whatever but but other than that then 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 don't worry about it but if you have nothing in there that is aviation you know there is no flying machine in there even in parts then that's a clear call so i don't know i just hope i hope it's a rule that's drawn fairly precisely because there's a for me it sounds like there's a danger that it could be you know what we don't really want those people in those things anymore let's uh, find a reason to kick them out you, uh, know, you know so that's a great point Rick and 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 I hope I don't come across like I'm defending this rule but I'm going to play the other side of this is that within this notice of proposed rulemaking they do address that issue somewhat in in that say for instance the airport can't find tenants for their hangars. You're allowed to, and this has always been the case, you're allowed to rent those hangars to people that are non-aviation related because that brings more money into the yeah. airport and makes it more right. viable. And, and but, but then it also, like you said, it goes towards, you know, now I have an airplane in there, but my airplane actually doesn't work uh, and I need to fix it up and it might take me a year or two. Well, gosh, is it? Is it, how do you, yeah, how do you, judge how do you that? determine, is it just a propeller or is it right. a whole airplane with wings? Is progress being made toward making it flyable or not? You know, yeah. How do you judge that? It's, and and for, uh, especially for the home builders, you know, where do you, where do you start that? When does it start to become 
an airplane. It sounds like we're talking about a whole other subject, but <laughs> yes, it we, does. Won't, we, won't go, we will not totally go. To, I don't believe it just went down that road. But, uh, you know, it's like, when, when does this actually become an airplane? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Gosh. And uh, so so we, we determine here, you know, is it is it when it, it has its carburetor, its engine, you know, that type right. of thing? When can it think on its own? I mean, when, <laughs> when can it actually be taxing on its own? <laughs> those, those type oh of things. Oh, my gosh. We are so in trouble. <laughs> oh, we are going to get such bad emails yeah. on this one. Yeah, it, that, that's yeah okay. but that's a good point. You but, know, so what, What? yeah, because there's so many different types of things that could be, or, you know, types of airplanes, type of aviation, you know, machines that could be usable, not usable, decades away from usable. You know, uh, uh, there's a lot of gray area here if it isn't written right, in a, my opinion. And on a more serious note on that, there is there has been discussion as to when do you start uh, putting an aircraft in the hangar that is a a experimental or home built that uh, is to be assembled within the hangar. When is that that line crossed? Is it uh, do you have the major pieces assembled? Because most of the arguments are that hey, you can do most of this work at home. You can trailer it to the airport, then you can put the wings on and the engines and that type of thing. So there, there's one of the points. Uh, another thing too, and I've, I've actually, and, and I think Victoria knows a lot about this. I, my partners and I, when we had the 182, we, we talked about insurance. And you know, you have a guy that's in a hangar next to you, and he's storing his bottles. Uh, I guess for the acetylene torch or whatever, he's got all these bottles in there. That honestly, I don't know what he has, but there's all these big bottles in there, oxygen, etc. You know, that's a bit of a risk for me, especially if that catches fire. So how about, you know, from an insurance standpoint, you know, where do we draw that line as to what can actually be stored? Victoria, you might have some ideas on this. Well, I was just thinking about the insurance angle because that sounds like, I don't want to say an excuse airports would use. Um, there's obviously safety issues with certain types of things that you are storing in your hangar. Um, for example, your oxygen bottles. But keep in mind, we do have 50 gallons of Avgas just sitting <laughs> in your wings there, and that's kind of flammable. So insurance reasons is smart. It makes sense. But who knows? You know, if someone has a meth lab in the hangar, you know, that's that's a pretty good insurance reason, and you, you don't want that in there. And I'd understand why they would want to check up on that. So it's it's just another angle to consider. Um, a lot of airports require do you to have a premises liability uh, in, included in your insurance and things like that, just in case your airplane does cause a problem uh, that you know affects other hangers around you. So if my like we had an airplane on the airport uh, that its um, carburetor was actually the seal was leaking. And it started a fire in the engine mm. on the ground. So if his airplane burned and burned down the hangar next to me and my hangar and my airplane went up in flames, I would be covered, right, because of that? Yes, correct. Gotcha. A lot of airports check to make sure you have some type of at least liability coverage in case something like that does happen or you cause bodily injury to someone, you know, around the airport due to your airplane just being there. Wow. Now, who knows if... You know, if it wasn't the airplane that caused it, I'd have to look into that. If it was the oxygen bottles that caused it, but 
So, you know, this is, this is actually really, really fascinating because, um, let's see, not to, uh, trying to figure out how much of this I can talk about, but there's a hangar that was next to us where an illegal activity was going on in that hangar. And that illegal activity, if it was to cause a disruption in service or, say, a fire and damage our aircraft, what happens then? I mean, the, the, the hangar, if that illegal activity caused my airplane to be destroyed, how, is, how am I covered under my insurance? Am I covered? Is, I guess, a question. And is the airport covered, too, I wonder? The airport should have insurance for that, but that's when that kind of comes into play is the FAA wanting to create these policies. So if something like that happens, you know, the airport's not responsible because, you know, you're not supposed to have illegal activities in your hangar. Interesting. So like the meth lab we're talking yeah, about, the meth that, lab. that would be one of those really good examples. Uh, but then you go on to other ideas like uh, medical marijuana or you're growing it in your, your hangar. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going way out there, but you, I, know, the, you know, I would not be surprised. Yeah. You know, some hangers out there, especially like maybe airports that aren't too busy. They're just, you're in the middle of nowhere. Like, you know, every runway is about a mile long. So that's like a mile of nothing. You got your little hangar. And I'm um, sorry if I'm giving everyone bad ideas or. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure they've thought of these. But, like, is that it, frowned it makes upon? Sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be wrong? White here or something. I am watching Breaking Bad right now, but that's just like was my first thought of this illegal activities in a hangar. Right. Yeah. That and, and you know it, not only let's go let's go the other let's go all the way to the other side of the fence. How about legal activities done by the police? Because that was mentioned here too, or by mm-hmm. any other forces. Um, you know, gosh, I mean, many airports have Fish and Wildlife. They have the FBI, yes. the CIA. They have all sorts of folks that have hangars there, and and you probably know this too. They store squad cars in their hangars, and obviously when they're using their airplane, they're storing their car. But they may just store a car there all the time. Um, I don't know. Is the primary use for the airplane or for the squad car for the fire trucks? Fire used to have truck. fire trucks stored at Frederick apparently before I got there. But there was there was a extra. It wasn't even a station. I don't think they just stored some extra fire equipment. But not for immediate usage, right? Just no. storage. Yes. Because then, if it was for immediate usage, I'd be okay with that. Because if my plane's mm-hmm. on fire, hey guys, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, put this out, please. I've had that happen. Yeah. I've had oh, the God. fire trucks come out it was very interesting yeah and and that's that's a good usage right there but but again we're getting we're not just getting all right here's here's the thing public use uh airport and and public and a lot of times in the united states some of those are listening overseas public means actually the government uh in certain areas and like the public schools in the united states are really run by the government so when we're talking about public usage of that hangar a lot of times that public usage comes under the law enforcement, and uh, believe me, I you know I know a lot of folks in law enforcement. I've done a lot of training with them, and and these folks, uh, they they use those hangars, and they uh, sometimes they don't use them at all for aviation. But what they're trying to do is is become involved in some interdiction uh, type of uh, activity, and that therefore is a good usage of that hangar, even though it's not quote unquote aviation related so i'm not sure i'd be opposed to that i mean that, that might be good i mean I, I don't know so again we're crossing some fine line question uh, yes ma'am some people most people are tenants they rent their hangar mm-hmm. what if you're an actual hangar owner 
on a public <laughs> use airport. Do you want people telling you what you can can or cannot put inside the hangar you own? Oh man, I tell you. You know, I, I went through this when I was looking at buying a hanger, and uh, basically I could buy the hanger, and then the, what, I guess it was the slab was not mine, but the hanger was mine, yep. uh, the concrete, so it's like, well, wait a minute, I, I own this, and but do I really, because I'm really leasing the space that's underneath me? It, it kind of goes back to that, uh, what do they call it, land lease, you know, with your house. You know, people sometimes don't own the land that they lease their house from, or le they lease the land and then build a house on top of it. And in those cases, you're told what you can do with your house. I can understand that based on the agreement. And, and, and this brings up another really good point, Victoria, is that, you know, is this a civil contract between you and the airport owner? Uh, you know, if I have a civil contract... Then and I breach that contract, then that person can sue me in court. But is the federal government to step in and and to actually get involved in this? Well, and the only re and, and and this these laws have been out there forever, where it's to be used for aviation usage. But but in times when they need to be released out because they need the money for the airport, then you can. So, you know, what do you do then? You know, here's somebody has been renting it for 20 years, and 20 years ago, that airport really was having problems financially. And they wanted to store certain things in that hangar. Now what do we do? Now where do we go? So that that's fascinating. Uh, and it, you know another really interesting thing. I don't know about you, but you ever met people that actually live in their hangars, Victoria? I think we're yeah. I'm very very envious of them. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many cool what airports out there that have hangar homes. Now I think portions of those. The properties, you know, not the taxi, but the property next to the airport, uh, may become private property, and they, in that, in that case, that makes sense. They can build I'm whatever they want on there. Assuming a lot of those airports do not get federal grants. Yes, a lot of those are private, you know, airports, so they probably wouldn't follow under this rule. But At there least are the airport communities, right, right, and there are some that do take federal money, say for their lights and stuff like that. But they also have these hangar homes. So now what? You know, now do we do what? Do we, what do we do in those cases? Is you know, what do we do? We throw those people out. Is it primarily used for their airplanes? It probably is. I mean, I I've seen some amazing hangar homes, especially at DW Hooks in Texas. That is one of my favorite little airports. Uh, I shouldn't say little. I've seen three thousand square foot living spaces in a hangar. That's huge. That's bigger than my house. It's phenomenal, and just like an aviation museum that's inside. You know, what do we tell those people? You know, do they do they have to leave? Do they have to move out? Of course, again, it's a land use issue, and uh, is that actually on the airport property? So where do we go from there? Now, there's that. Then there's the the person, and of course, I won't name names, who's working for a company and uh, you know doesn't want to rent an apartment. So what does that person do? They put you know, a little stove and electric stove, and they put a refrigerator, a microwave, and they put a cot inside the hangar with the uh, the corporate jet sitting there. And they make it their kind of hangar home. So, ooh, boy, now we might be crossing a line, but the the primary use of that is actually for that corporate jet. So we're, there, there's some really, really interesting things that we're coming up with, that's for sure. Uh, but, you know... The, but going back to this whole ruling and just specifically looking at some of the, the things that are on there, uh, the, the, 
the big the one of the things that precipitated this and and it's going back to especially a victoria's situation uh was a complaint uh towards a tenant and actually it was towards the airport i should say and the city actually the city owns the airport about somebody building a home-built aircraft in their hangar and that was precipitating this because you know most home builds can take many years to actually build uh i and and this is my personal opinion i think it's I'd be okay with that if someone's actually going out there building an airplane uh, to be used eventually for aviation. Uh, but again, where do we where do we cross that line? You know, that's that's the other thing too. Um, now, with the airplane that you fly, Victoria, was that built in your hangar or at home? No, it was built before Bob purchased it, so uh, we never had that issue. But I was in a hangar the other day that had. Um, it had a built aircraft, but in the back was one that was being built. And, you know, I had no problem at all. It was great to see that. And if there is going to be a rule of some sort someday, it's going to have to be so specific to cover all these little nooks and crannies. Are you supposed to say, hey, the airport owner has to be working on this airplane at least 20 hours a year for you to keep it hangered here? Like, how are they going to... How do you figure that out? <laughs> right, right. And, 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 you know, this is where we should have an attorney on talking uh, who knows a lot about land use. Uh, gosh, I should have my brother on here and said, hey, John, what do you think of this land use issue here? Because it all goes back to that land use, you know, is the, for instance, you know, going back to the hangar space, uh, you know, is the hangar space a residence on a full-time or temporary basis? And is that not compatible land use? Does it have a certificate of occupancy, that type of thing? Uh, is this a hangar that was built and was supported by federal funds? Uh, those are all things that we, we definitely have to look at. So that's that's pretty, uh, boy, that, we're, we're, again, crossing that fine line. But, but speaking of that, you know, on the same topic, I mean, I, I tell you, I, I want to have a hangar home. I don't know about you guys, but wouldn't that be totally cool just be hanging out here? <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Say, hey, hon, let's go for a ride. Dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're going to start up the air, air, you know, the airplane and go out for a ride here. How about some of those private airports that have hangar homes? Uh, that's that's a different case, obviously. But uh, you know, just kind of fire up your your airplane and and run out to the runway. And that that is, I think, the most wonderful thing that that uh, I can think of in aviation is to have your airplane just sitting out there. And, uh, you know, on this topic, to, to make it a little bit more fun, uh, and I'd like to hear from some of you guys, what, you know, what's the most amazing hangar home you've seen, you know, where somebody was actually living in it? Rick, do you, do you have any uh, you've actually seen? Not, not in person. I've seen, I've seen the other end, like you described, the cot <laughs> in, the, in, the mo- in the mobile home that barely moves with flat <laughs> tires. I've seen that. Uh, I, I can't unsee that, um, but <laughs> but no, I haven't been. You know, I've flown over some nice residential air parks. There's one in uh, Falmouth on the Cape that's uh, you know run, runway leading to leading to garages. You know, with houses. That's not really. Is that what you're talking about, though? Houses, houses, that have their but, own and, hangers. And have you ever seen the actual hangers? Uh, like no, no. Have it's the houses are cool though. That is awesome. I mean, well, we, that's something yeah, just to, to have about. a house that has the airplane in the garage with a taxiway to the runway that's pretty great and and what's interesting about that rick is that that also is a land use issue because when you buy a house on one of these airports that you have to agree to put in a certain number of square feet just like Mm -hmm. any community and also have a 
a hangar of a certain size. Right. And that has to be built within, you know, sometimes two to five years, depending on, on how the economy is. Oh, I uh, see. So that's that's a private, you know, I've, I've done a yeah. lot of research into that. And, um, you know, that's another issue. But that's that has, yeah. you know, obviously separate from the, the, uh, the topic. Yeah, here. so no, but are you talking about, uh, like, a, a, the, hanger, the person's hanger. living in the yeah. hangar and it's amazing? Yeah. Kind of? I've not. No. So. There's a hotel somewhere in Texas. I have to remember where it is. Uh, if anybody knows what I'm talking, about. I think it's in Kerrville, where you can actually go and stay in this little hotel that's in a hangar. It's pretty cool, but uh, I, I may be wrong on the actual that location. Oh, that would be totally awesome! Just hang out in that 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 hangar home. Um, but like the the things that I'm talking about are, and, and again, the only ones I can look towards are like DW Hooks. Some of the corporations that I've actually uh, flown with is, um, you know, their hangars are so big that there's an office and there's a living space where, number one, and this is also addresses this issue, uh, there's a living space for the pilots in case they come in and say they're too tired to go home. They can actually sleep there. They can shower there, that type of thing. And it's almost like a house. Um, and that addri- this, this proposed rulemaking addresses that issue. Uh, is that also aviation usage and primarily aviation usage? I don't think people could argue that it isn't. Uh, but then there's the point where does your flight crew actually live in the hangar uh, at the airport? And that extreme example is what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> there's I won't mention the airport. There's an airport in New Jersey that I think is really cool, and I love to go there for lunch. And there's a hangar in there, and I love taxiing by it because you op- they open the door up, and there's this big old couch. You think you're on the poor side of town, and uh, and they're just hanging out there on the couch, just smoking cigars, and and it, it's really you, you look inside the hangar, and you can barely make out the fact that there's really an airplane in that hangar, because there's so much junk all over the place. Uh, so that that's another example of that. How about you, Victoria? Did you have you ever seen one of those really cool hangar homes? You know, I haven't seen really cool ones. I've been to airports that had houses on them, but their their airplanes were still in tie downs, and I've fl- flown over a few. But my dream, I think there's one like this in Kentucky, and it's they have these beautiful, large log cabin oh, yeah. homes with the hangar next to it, and that is what I want. That sounds so cool. How do I not know about this? Now, why doesn't... Yeah, Sean? <laughs> I could be wrong. It might be Tennessee. Like, all huh. nine states. I don't know. I it think could it's totally be. I'll have yeah. to look around for that. And it's it's up in the woods. It's surrounded by just green stuff and this beautiful paved runway. Huh. And uh, the, I think the ads are in probably AOPA Magazine or Pilot Getaways. I've seen them. And every time I'm like, that. that that is where I'm retiring. Now, this wouldn't be Heaven's Landing, would it? That might no no that's the one with the the pretty angels all the time and <laughs> yeah. sun and fun and Oshkosh no yeah, yeah. The many that. many gratuitous pictures of me sitting there and the <laughs> girls from heaven oh you like those girls huh <laughs> yeah. no no I'm no I I just I I like the fact that they're into aviation and they like to talk about airplanes uh huh. <laughs> Yeah. You know, my wife listens to this, Victoria. <laughs> Thank you very much and for getting me in trouble. I'm totally turning beet red right now. Thank God this is not video. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, Heaven's Landing, I, th- I think that's up in, yeah, that's in Georgia. What a beautiful place. And they actually have hangars there also where you can pull your airplane right into the hangar. And there's hangar home. There's homes with hangars and there's also hangar apartment type things, condos. That would be like 
totally cool just to be able to pull your plane in and hang out. So yeah, I think I think I'm gonna do that. One of these days, I want to get a place like that. That would be. I gotta get my my wife on board with this, but but that might take a little bit of doing. Oh yeah, um, Sean. I know in Kentucky, you guys have some really cool cool air parks. Um, yeah, there's one I know called Rough River that's um, sent sort of the west central part of the state. I've not been there myself, but I've heard other pilots talk about going there, and it's a, it's a state park. And I know you can uh, you can land your airplane there, taxi off to the side, and pretty much set up for a picnic right there. Um, as far as air parks, and and Victoria, you, you may well be right about that one with the cabins. I'm gonna have to look around for that. I do know up. Uh, you know, I used to work up in uh, the Cincinnati area near Sporties, and they've got an, an air park there on the field with uh, several houses that have hangars attached to them. And I uh, spent a lot of time around those, and I mean, those are fantastic. You know, you got a, a nice house and then a, a big old hangar right there. You know, taxi right from your house to the runway, and you can't beat it. So that's that's definitely kind of like you said, Carl. That's that's the dream one day. <laughs> yeah, have to have to buy the home and uh, also buy the airplane. It's similar to, you know, all these people, especially where I am here in Florida, I live on an island where there's all these canals, and behind their house, they all have docks. Well, maybe half of them have actual boats, and it's the same kind of thing. You move in, you say, hey, I'm going to have a boat and have my boat in my backyard, and then you realize, oh, no, the house was really expensive, <laughs> and and now I can't afford the when boat. I, you know, I grew I don't know if you know this, Carl, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, yeah. and oh, we wow. had... My dad always wanted to have a sailboat, but we were in Plantation, which, as you know, is west. And um, so we rented we rented somebody's dock who had the boat, had the house on the intercoastal with a dock and didn't have the boat. So there was a bit of a nice market in that, in that world of, of renting out that space. So, you know, maybe there's some comparison in uh, aviation. You know, it's interesting you brought that up. And, uh, you know, you see that happen all the time here on the island where people rent out their docks. But I know that the folks at DW Hooks, the folks that – and I, I've spent a lot of time there, so that's why I'm using it as an example. That's over near uh, – it's in Spring, Texas, near Houston. They have hangar homes that are so big. Their hangars are so big that people rent their space out to other people. So here's my hangar, and I can fit five airplanes in my hangar. Well, I'm going to put my airplane in there and then rent it out to all these other wow. people. Wow. And as a matter of fact, I had a student that had a twin – that would rent from another gentleman that was a friend of mine that had a hangar home uh, on the airport. And he stored his seaplane in there because there was actually a, we call it the ditch, but it's actually a, it's, it's, you can land a seaplane on the water there. And uh, it's a very narrow uh, water runway and you can taxi right up to your home. But uh, imagine, you know, a 3,000 square foot home and a hangar underneath. That's a lot of space. Uh, you know, a 172 could definitely fit in there. So if you, you could fit a bunch of 172s in there. And that actually is, is quite common amongst uh, these folks that actually own these hangars, is they'll put that in there. Uh, the other thing that uh, is interesting concerning this, and it, it goes into the same bill, or the proposed rulemaking, I should say, is the fact that people are running businesses out of their hangars, and they're non-aviation related. Well, Here's This is something that kind of scares me a little bit about this. Say you're a mechanic and you decide to open up your own shop in your hangar, which I've seen done, and actually I have a friend that's doing that. You know, Now the person that's taking federal funds, say, for their airport can go out and say, hey, listen, you can't 
do this, you can't run your business. So they could start a whole process, a legal process, even though they may not have a basis. Uh, but they may be able to to out you know live them in a, in a lawsuit like we've seen so many times, and run that person off because they possibly own a maintenance repair shop on the field. Uh, so that those type of scenarios can play out. So they did address that. You know, is is that for aviation usage? I personally feel if you're repairing airplanes, yeah, it is. You know, that's that's aviation to me. And uh, that that's fascinating. You know, different angles we can take this into. It's. Um, and like I think re- you you pointed out, Rick, it's really important that they look at all the different angles, and and there's a, it's a little more nuanced than we than we know, but it really yeah. has been looked at from many of these angles. Yeah, That's come right. up with a way to describe the situation that is the maximum benefit for the community, without you know hurting without hurting the community right. you know, inadvertently. So. Exactly, exactly. But uh, you know, I I am I just I think it's the neatest thing when people can commune at an airport uh, when we can actually have a cookout. Uh, I think it it draws in more people to aviation. It brings them into the social aspect. You know, we've put fences up around our airports, and to me, this almost seems like we're putting an additional lock on that fence when we start looking at these type of regulations. And and we don't want to do that. We want to break down those barriers. Um, You know, a a good example, the hangar that we were in, we have this big festival every year. It's called Gasparilla, where the pirates, they invade the harbor in Tampa. And there's hundreds of thousands of people that show up. Well, we would invite people to our hangar because we're on the water. The airport's on the water, and the boat goes by. The pirate ship goes by. And that was a wonderful way to get people interested in aviation. And we would give them brochures, and we'd say, hey, listen, if you want to go fly, you know, go over there to the flight school and check it out. And maybe come back for an, an intro flight. And it would get people really interested in aviation. I, I will say, though, that some of these airports, um, you do tend to find yourself being amongst uh, a crowd that's that's excluded from other places. In, in other words, uh, you, you're in a more exclusive, I should say, area. For uh, My hangar, we also had like a boardroom and a bathroom attached to the hangars. And nice. we would actually have meetings within that. And I would do, say, lessons inside that hangar. Uh, so, you know, of course, that was aviation usage, but, but we would have other meetings, too. We'd have business meetings that, that may not be or weren't definitely not aviation-related. And uh, so, you know, hey, is that aviation you know, usage? No. But is the boardroom being used? No. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, uh, the new hangars that are being built, especially with federal funds. Absolutely. Uh, they're, they're phenomenal. They're, they're beautiful. You have, you know, wood oak tables and wonderful chairs around these tables, uh, you know, big bathrooms and, and kitchens. We actually had a popcorn machine in ours. It was just, it was a lot of fun just popping popcorn and having friends around. So, you know, this, this issue is going to become very sticky. And I would absolutely love to hear from those folks in, who's listening right now as to what their opinion is. I know we've brought up some interesting things and we might get a little bit of hate mail from people. Uh, I'm not opposed to uh, a rule uh, that would actually define, you know, what is usage and whether, and give give some uh, leeway to the folks that own the airport to allow folks to use those hangars in in other ways, especially during times when there is a downturn in the economy, and you know we really do need that hangar space to bring funds into the airport 
to keep that airport viable. So I'm I'm all for it, I'm all for any of that. Anything that keeps the airplane and the airports there, that's that's wonderful. Uh, but you know, now what do you do with somebody that owns the hangar? Uh, one corporation that I flew for, uh, they had a 30-year lease uh, on the hangar, on the hangar space. They built the hangar. So 30 years later, they they rented the hangar for a dollar a month for 30 years. But the hangar they built went back to the airport authority. And that's uh, fairly common, actually. Uh, I know when I went to look at building my own hangar, that was one of the agreements they wanted to go into a 20-year lease where I would actually give them the hangar when I was left, I was done with it. And I would rent it for only a dollar a month. Uh, you can do whatever you want. You can run a business out of there as long as it's aviation related. That that was stipulated within my rent. Didn't know why. I said, we don't know why. Um, and they said, well, the government wants us to do that. Well, this is what's precipitating this. You know, this issue goes way back. If you look at some of the, the history on this, we're looking at like the 90s when they started doing some research into this. And there's uh, some really, really interesting things that have happened in the past because of this. So... Anyway, really neat topic. Uh, I hope I hope that you know Victoria, Rick, or Sean. You know, we you've been able to voice uh, your opinions. I don't know if anybody else has anything to say about this in general, uh, but I think this is this is something that we need to look towards and we need to read and understand. But to do that, you have to get a little bit involved yourself. And of course, to do to become involved, go to the Federal Register and and uh, you know what? We'll just we'll put a link on the website to it. And just go to Stuck Mike Avcast, and we'll link to it, and it'll it'll have the notice of proposed rulemaking. I have been remiss in all of my research. The one thing I didn't do on this issue, which I always do, and I'm I'm sad I didn't, is I didn't look up the AOPA's opinion on this. Has anybody looked at AOPA on this one, and their opinion on this one? Crickets. No, I have not, but I can uh, type while you're while you're finishing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think that's one of the important things because I I I love you know as you know I'm a big fan of. AOPA and uh, the fact that they have a lot of resources and they're really big advocates in DC for us and uh, for private aviation and aviation in general, not just private aviation. They want the whole system to work. Uh, so I really, you know, I would look towards them because they have a consistent dialogue with people that are in Washington, DC, and they have the resources because. They have a lot of members uh, at AOPA, so we'll find a, a link uh, to their opinions on this. I'd love to hear that, uh, but uh, but really good stuff. I mean, this is a, a really good conversation. I would love to have again at some point as to where this is going. If you do have an opinion, it you know you don't have to put much into your opinion. Uh, give a comment, uh, a formal comment. I know people are sometimes afraid to do that, uh, but put that in there in, in the Federal Register. If you don't know how to comment on such a thing, ask uh, ask your friends. Uh, you can even ask your attorney if you have a friend that's an attorney. You can do a comment as a group. Say, hey, listen, you know, let's all get together and, you know, as part of our AOPA chapter or our EAA chapter or our local flying club, and let's all comment on this and, and say, hey, this part of the rule is a great idea. This part of the rule isn't. But this is something that I, I think is incredibly important because – the comment period does end uh, fairly shortly, as as Victoria said. September fifth uh, is actually when that ends. So great stuff, Rick. Did you find that uh, link or no? Uh, you, no, I, no, I okay, didn't. There's there's nothing very recent. Okay. I mean, the most recent thing is about uh, drive, you know, medicals and mm-hmm. the you know driver's license stuff. And uh, but it could be there. It just also could be they don't have an opinion yet. Yes, but we could. Yeah. 
contact well, them. I, I will definitely contact them and ask them on this one. Well, anyway, this is, gosh, we're coming towards an end here. It's an awesome topic. We could talk forever, especially on hangar homes and living in a hangar home and your dreams of living in a hangar home. I know that, I, gosh, tomorrow I would move into one. Uh, you know, just a, a quick aside, I remember my one experience in a hangar home. I did a, an event uh, what's called Challenge Air uh, for kids and friends. And uh, I was the volunteer coordinator for this event. And we had a get-together afterwards. And we went into one of these hangars. Beautiful hangar. Lots of airplanes, a bonanza, and, and et cetera. But then we were invited upstairs uh, because one of the sponsors actually was in this hangar. And my gosh, I mean, you, you, you're like walking to a different world. This person obviously loved aviation, loved boats, and had all sorts of memorabilia uh, just directed towards aviation, and the thing was immaculate, just beautiful, you know, wooden uh, railings going up the stairs, countertops uh, that were just beautifully hand-done, hand-carved tables, uh, all with different aviation themes, just phenomenal. And I said to myself, wow, I'm looking at the outside of this hangar, and it just looks like a regular old hangar. But when you get inside, it's somebody's beautiful home that they spend a lot of time with. And uh, just, you know, kind of a thought to, to leave you with, you know, think about that someday. If you ever have a dream and a dream about flying, uh, that's incredible and that's great. But, but you could actually add to that dream by, by having that flying dream actually right downstairs in your hangar and being able to live on the airport and listen to little airplanes. So that's one of my dreams, as you can tell. <laughs> I'm a bit passionate about that. Our Picks of the Week. So anyway, moving on to uh, that, that ends uh, actually the topic there. And I'd love to hear your comments on this one. This is kind of a, this is a very important issue. So I'd love to hear what people have to say. But uh, our next segment, obviously, is our picks of the week. And uh, let's see, my pick, actually, uh, Victoria, what is your pick of the week this week? Um, If you listen to our last episode, I mentioned a buddy named Jeff who gave us the topic to talk about instrument ratings. And my pick of the week was talking about my Turbo the Flying Dog series. It turns out Jeff wrote his own children's book, and it's called The Day I Learned to Fly. And he sent me a copy to read, and it was so good. I love the creativity that this um, child, which was actually Jeff, because this was a true story, in the book, how he creates his plane and tries to fly it uh, in his neighborhood. And it's a great story for anyone who has just creative, imaginative kids. They don't even have to like to fly because, um, in quick summary, he goes into this tool shed of imagination and there's all these neat things like window screens and cinder blocks. And he takes all these random items and builds an airplane that he's going to go fly. So it's called The Day I Learned to Fly and great Christmas gift, birthday gift for the kids. Awesome. That that sounds really cool. I'm going to have to go check that one out. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, definitely. I, I, I may definitely buy that one and uh, send it over to one of the schools here, donate it. That's a, that sounds like a lot of fun. And it was really beautiful. cute. I enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> that's cool. Well, thanks, Victoria. That That's Pretty darn expiring, and I can't wait to see yours when it comes out, once it's all funded, etc. So, and we're going to talk more about that, I'm sure, in upcoming episodes. We'll have uh, ways to take a look at that. Um, Let's see. The other person that we have is Sean Moody. Sean, what is your pick of the week this week? 
Mine is called Iridium Go. Um, it's a new uh, satellite-based uh, item you can put in your cockpit. It, they're kind of marketing it, uh, looks like, to pilots, boaters, anyone who's kind of out of cell phone range that wants connectivity. And it uses uh, a satellite system to create a Wi-Fi hotspot uh, that's about a 100-foot radius. And you can just throw it up in the, the glare shield of your airplane, and it creates a Wi-Fi hotspot so you can connect to the Internet, get weather information, you know, do whatever you would normally do on a smartphone uh, from within your airplane while you're flying. So obviously you would need to use it responsibly, but uh, I could see a whole lot of applications for something like that. That's pretty cool. Now, so you'd have to have... I wonder how well it works in the window. You have to put it way out there? Ah, uh, you know, it, it doesn't say a whole lot about that. It looks it, it, it looks like, you know, the usual sort of hockey puck style thing that you would see with, with satellite-based things in the, uh, in the cockpit. Um, and I'm looking to see if it talks uh, about uh, how fast it is. Um, and I don't see much about the speed, but... Uh, but anything's better than nothing. <laughs> oh, sure. You know, and all these airliners are getting that now. Yeah, you know, yeah. They have Wi-Fi and stuff like that. You know, another thing, by the way, on that same topic, uh, you know, airliners, actually, the pilots can actually use the Internet uh, while hmm. they're in the airplane, but they're obviously supposed to use it for uh, aviation purposes. Like, Sure. Uh, I, think it, I think it's great. I mean, you can find out the weather and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think any kind of coverage uh wi-fi etc i think is, is is really really cool mm-hmm. uh so awesome awesome and we'll have a link to that iridium that iridium foams are really cool i mean you can gosh you can get coverage anywhere in the desert uh all over the world pretty cool stuff uh let's see before rick starts let's uh i'll do my <laughs> quick uh pick of the week because i i do have a question for rick so uh a little okay. surprise there but the uh mine would be uh it's actually our careers in aviation uh, webinar should you choose a career in aviation at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash career in aviation uh take a look at that it just talks about all the different careers and uh, whether you should go into aviation as a career and what the benefits are well, i talk about a lot of things in there i get a little bit detailed on pay and uh how flight crews are paid both pilots and flight attendants some real granularity there uh it might be a little bit too technical for about five ten minutes uh but there's <laughs> I, I go over at least 20 different jobs that you can do in the aviation field you can be in the aviation insurance oh wait a minute we know someone who does that oh. uh, <laughs> our wonderful victoria you can be into you can do aviation journalism uh you can do all sorts of stuff video productions etc so there's many different things that you can get into uh, in a career in aviation. So you don't have to fly the airplanes. There's just many, many different things you can do. As a matter of fact, the airlines, uh, for every pilot, there's about six other people that work at the airline. So just think about that. Also, uh, before I close and before we get going, I'm gonna, I've asked Rick this, Rick, this question. Mm. Uh, I'm heading over to Boston. And mm. uh, so if anybody has anything that they can put in and give feedback to me, I'd love to hear about aviation history in the Boston area, what sites I can visit, that type of thing, and I'll report on it and report back here. Uh, so uh, I think Rick's going to help me out there. But Rick, yeah. Rick what's, what's your uh, pick of the week also? Um, yeah, so un- unrelated to Boston aviation, uh, unless except that it's a fun time killer, uh, is another uh, aviation game app, and it's, it's best... Well, there's a couple nice qualities about it, but it's called Airplane Mount Everest, and basically you fly missions uh, in and around Mount Everest, at you know basically altitude um, <laughs> airports, uh, you know not airports, uh, strips, runways, whatever. And um, uh, it's very basic. It's not a flight simulator. 
It's got a joystick uh, control on screen. I don't even think you can have it be tilt controlled. I think it's meant to be. But the visuals are not basic. They are actually pretty cool. And um, uh, with limited information, like the altitude of the airport you're going to, uh, you're asked to get from point A to point B. And, you know, there's a lot of upsell internally to it, you know, buying extra airplanes and uh, buying extra locations to land at. But there's a lot in there for free, and it's free. Uh, it's called Airplane Mount Everest, and it's pretty pretty fun little time killer for when you're needing to kill time. Right. You're sitting in the airplane in the back and just wanting to kill some yeah. time when you're or traveling. somebody's, you know, somebody's needing to go shopping and you have to go along, but you don't really need to shop. That's or something like that, hypothetically. I always need to shop. <laughs> right. You know, the, the coolest thing about this... So Turbo. Purchase, Turbo. Turbo can, Turbo can yeah. actually be the pilot in this. We could have yes. Turbo's airplane and everything. And there's right. a bunch yeah. of them. This, this one's actually very easy. Like, it's not about uh, the subtlety of of uh, even landing, you know, as long as it's fairly fairly level from what I've seen. It's really more about figuring your way around some fairly tall peaks to get to wherever you're supposed to go. So and it's you, pretty simple. And the other thing that I like about this app is the fact that you can tell the popularity of the airplanes based on how much it costs to yes. purchase those airplanes. It's true. <laughs> it's true. The, the, hey. the 747 is two ninety nine. And right, the CH fifty three, but the glider's only ninety nine yeah. cents. <laughs> right, right, and I, I have not seen how much. Like you also have to buy weather. You have to buy blizzard conditions uh, if you want to do that. So, uh, but sunny, sunny days in a what is that? What's the one that's free? Uh, Cabot, like clear and something like that. Let's no, see. but I mean it's a uh, the plane. Uh, whatever, it doesn't. It's it like looks a like stop a stop with camel or something. No, it's uh, no. There's a free one that looks like a one seventy two, but it can't be a one seventy two because. I don't think. I don't know what altitudes this is starting out at, but it's anyway. But it's a game, you know. So I know, you can be I know. Forty five thousand feet in a one seventy two. No, what's funny is the first time I flew it, I didn't realize the variance in, in the airports. So I flew over this ridge, and it it told me I was very close to the runway, and I and I went, well, how high up am I? So I started down. It took forever because I. I don't know where I was at, but some huge altitude, and I just couldn't lose. You know, I, there was nothing I could do except just wind my way down to find the airport. So, <laughs> anyway, it's a silly thing, but uh, it's but it's fun, and and the price is right. It's free, free, except for the in-store app purchase. Like I said, there's enough to play with it. You can decide how much you want to sink into it. <laughs> I, I probably won't sink anything else into it. But cool. Anyway. Cool. That's one I can buy, and my wife won't get mad at me. I yeah, like this. Yeah, hey, hey yeah. Rick's starting to come up with some yeah, good Rick, ones, honey. Rick's okay now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to go out and purchase it right after this. Uh, and uh, that makes it, that's it for our Picks of the Week. The After Landing Checklist. Actually, you know, there is somebody we're missing, and that's Eric Crump. And uh, we did mention he couldn't make it today. He had a previous engagement and, and couldn't break away. Uh, I think it involved two pretty uh, young ladies. Uh, they are his daughters, and he's having to take care of them this evening while his his wife has a meeting. So, but he did want to tell everybody that he's sorry he couldn't make it, and he really, really wanted to to come. Unfortunately, I didn't mention that in the beginning, so we didn't have time to make fun of Eric and and uh, and talk about how wonderful Embry Riddle is. Oh wait, I'm sorry, that was uh, Polk State College <laughs> is what, what I meant to say. Uh, I just had to put that dig in there for Eric. Wow, good one. <laughs> but. Uh, but we do miss Eric. Eric will be back on in the next episode. And uh, they're actually, you know, they're uh, actually one real important thing. They're starting their semester. So he's just he's just swamped with work and, and getting things started. And uh, he's already got me doing work. You know, I'm the coach of their flight team. So he's already very, becoming very demanding of my time. 
uh, he can't, you know, defend himself, so I can say that. But, uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's a heck of a boss, that's for sure. Uh, I don't get paid to do this, but he's a good boss, that's for sure. Uh, but folks, you know, we appreciate your your listening here, and these are this is a very important topic this evening about hangar flying, and uh, you know, we we love our hangars. Uh, we love to hang around our hangars. We like to commune with the aviation community and our friends at those hangars. A lot of times we do that uh, through things and that aren't aviation-related, like having barbecues, uh, couches and chairs and, and refrigerators. Well, you know, now there's a, a rulemaking, a proposed rulemaking that may change that, and it's important for you to go out there and, and check that out. So, so please go to Stuck Mike Avcast and check out the link to the Federal Register for the policy on non-aeronautical use of airport hangars and put in your opinion by september 5th well folks thanks for listening from myself carl valeri rick felty sean moody victoria zyko and in absentia eric crump thanks for listening safe flying we will talk to you next episode hopefully hang out with you in the hangar sometime you've been listening to the stuck mike abcast Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.